0: Hello and welcome to Caged In, I am Petros Pat Silvers and I am watching every single Nicolas Cage film to find out Is he the greatest actor of all time or is he just a neanderthal who deserves to be left in the past It's been a while since we've been on the Cage train but as there is a UK release of The Croods A New Age It's time to return to Cage and talk about this film on this episode, I was joined by Super Marcy of the Super Network, a fantastic network of Australian podcasts you really check out. Um, as always, we will be talking about this film in all its gory details. So if you haven't seen it, um, if you're in the UK, head out to cinemas right now, or if you're, I guess, like America and Uh, canada and australia you can get this on rental or like yeah it's not streaming anywhere that i know of if it is uh, there is a handy document in the show notes that will tell you if and where it is streaming if you want a bit more of this conversation with marcy as well we go a bit deeper into Nicolas cage and talk about her worst ever nick cage film what is the film she detests that Nick Cage has been in, what is his objective best performance in a film, and which living or dead director would she like to see him work with? You can get that conversation if you head on over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod, and it's as little as like 2 pounds fifty three $3 a month to get a whole host of bonus chats whether it is on the cage stuff or even the Copler connections there's yeah plenty of nick cage chat to keep your appetite wetted until we get another nick cage film which isn't long uh we have a pig coming out in the uk on the 20th of august and i'm currently running uh the caged in pig cast as well I'm talking to people who are involved in that film, whether it's behind or in front of the camera. Uh, last Friday, I released an episode with David Nell, who has a key scene opposite Nick Cage and Alex Wolfe playing Chef Finway. So if you've seen the film, definitely check that episode out. If you haven't, it's there waiting for you when that film released. And Not blowing my own trumpet, but I think it's a great interview. And uh, I kind of like this fact of getting these people who are not the stars. Obviously, I'm aiming to get the stars. Um, Yeah, if you know Nick Cage and you listen to this podcast, tell him, I would love to speak to him. So, all that's left to do is to gather up your family, sleep in a massive pile and look for a new tomorrow we get raging with cage we're back to talk about nick cage so what better than to talk about a belated sequel to an animated film that came out eight years ago it's time to get to know that prehistoric pack once again with joe crawford's the Cruise: a new age to join me in the search for tomorrow is writer and podcaster Super Marcy. How are you, Marcy?
1: Hello. Doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: It's 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 an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we could work out like the time zone difference because yeah. it's always been like a hesitation for me. Like there's uh, like when someone's like, Oh yeah, a podcaster in Australia, and I'm like,
1: does that mean I'm gonna have
0: to get up super early? But this has worked out this worked out perfectly fine.
1: It's actually not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so,
0: it's what, evening for you, morning yeah. for me. Yeah, this is yeah. This is probably the most sprightly I've ever been for this time of the day. So <laughs> um, so as I like to start all of these off, um, get it straight out there, are you a Nick Cage fan?
1: Not at all, no. Uh, oh, that's yes. the
0: podcast's over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I am unashamedly... A big Nick Cage fan.
0: There's no shame to be had. What is it about Cage that kind of, like, I don't know, excites you, like keeps you coming back for more?
1: Well, he does excite me because he's (laughs) Nicolas Cage. He's that unique man Mm -hmm. that, uh, I don't know. There's just, I guess there's always been kind of an allure about Nick Cage because... Growing up, like, seeing the stuff in the 90s and and mm. that, he's, like, so different in every movie. Yeah. And a lot of those films were so much fun, even if they were different from each other, like, whether it was the action ones or the comedies. And I think that appeal is that he was always so different, playing so many different characters, but he, like, manages to fully immerse himself in these roles. So he's so, I think, different. <laughs> you get... You get a, a lot of different stuff with Nick Cage, even if some of it might be the same. The, the same it's still <laughs> very different. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I guess growing up, I probably had the hots for him.
0: Maybe I still...
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. But he we're... doesn't. Yeah, he's, he's yeah.
0: He's, he's got he's got that kind of like um I don't know charismatic charm that like. Mm. I guess some, I guess a lot of people would say like he's unconventionally attractive, but I think he like yeah. he's he's I don't know, he's got an allure to him, certainly. Um
1: there is something very <laughs> appealing about him.
0: I I guess it's like there's like there, there's that bad boy thing that you know that like on a whim he'll buy a castle and a dinosaur skull yeah. like, if he fancies it and it's like something yeah. dangerous and mysterious about that. Um Yeah. What, absolutely. What are your views on the kind of like <coughs> nick okay. that we're having recently. Like, <clears throat> he kind of seems to be like yeah. out of his straight-to-VOD slump mm. and kind of back into the mainstream. Are you excited about seeing like a, oh, a new yeah. age of Cage?
1: Look, I don't think he's really stopped. I think the yeah. VOD was just, you know, paying <laughs> the bills. But still, <laughs> even if they were crap, there's still something there that's watchable. Yeah. But he's making... The really interesting and unexpected choices with his roles like he will go from you know what we've seen in mandy to the wackiness of willie's wonderland and i'm all here for it yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: well i recently got, so exciting i recently <laughs> got in like a kind of um twitter debate with someone because they mm-hmm. they let they made the claim that um mm-hmm. a lot of nick cage fans say that he never misses that he never like phones it in which like i think mm. i don't think any nick cage fan is is saying that like what are your opinions no. on like the fact that like i don't know i i think that's what makes him exciting right is that he's this infallible he's not infallible he's kind of he, he can do wrong and like that's what's yeah. exciting about a nick cage film right
1: i i feel like nick cage doesn't give a shit <laughs> if it's good or bad and He's he his stuff is so divisive. Like something I might personally love that he's done, mm-hmm. someone else will absolutely hate. Yeah, yeah, and it could be for the same reasons that I love it that they hate it, or anything. Like I could absolutely love something for completely different reasons to what you love something for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, like yeah, he like I said, like he has had really shit films. Yeah, yeah, but and- at least he tries to do something.
0: Yeah, that that I, I guess yeah. there's like a handful of ones where it's like he's just turned up for the paycheck, and mm. I, think, I think like left behind is a prime example of that. Like, yeah, you you could have a cardboard cutout of Nick Cage, and it would probably mm. be just as effective as mm. the man himself in that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't like things to my theory. I, I th- I've always said about that film, it's like he's scared about like the. Uh, the fans of like the book and that because obviously it's like Mm. a religious film and stuff like that he's like am Mm. i gonna upset the christians by going full nick cage in this movie Um, so let's find out what was the first nick cage film you remember seeing
1: that's tough i'm not a hundred percent sure what it (laughs) could have been like i obviously have like you know those memories of the Con, Air's, eh, Con, Air's, Con Air Face <laughs> Off The Rock, that kind of mid-90s, but I'm sure there would have been something before that and I'm really trying to think of what it might have been. Oh, I mean, the man has had been in so much stuff. <laughs> but what could it have possibly? I don't want to say it was one of those because I know there was something earlier than that, but I can't. Can't quite remember. I'm just trying to look back and think what would I have seen back before then. Uh, you know what? It could have been something like guarding Tess around that era oh, would have been.
0: That yeah, that, as that, a kid, and that's something like a like that I think that's a real vanilla like kind of <laughs> Nick Cage film, right? That's kind of a bit mm. like I don't know, quite quite I, from. Yeah, I've only ever watched it the once. I found it like mm. quite a boring, laborious task to get through it. <laughs> it's like it's not really like the the um, the calling card for Nick Cage. Really, it kind mm. of feels like I don't know. Especially it's around a time that like he had he mm. already put out Wild at Heart and was on the precipice of yeah. becoming this. 90s action star
1: um yeah it's kind of one of those in between movies but i do have memories of seeing that but i think more the attention was coming in with like uh i think i might have seen con air first or face off i can't remember quite which one what was it about those would have been yeah what was
0: it about those two that kind of made you think like were you when you saw like Air and Face Off, were you like, mm. I'm in now. I'm like a Nick Cage yeah. fan or was it a slow burn to become a oh, Nick Oh, no, Cage it fan? was immediate. <laughs> uh, those
1: two films were so much fun mm-hmm. and I would just watch them like constantly and I might have been 12-ish mm-hmm. when they came out. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I forget how old I am. So <laughs> Who knows? I could have been older, younger. Lord knows. But, yeah, I'd watch it all the time and they were just so much fun. And then it was kind of discovering like more Nick Cage films, and that's when I kind of saw the earliest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think that's kind of when, um, kind of as I knew more about him, he was kind of like a pretty big star. Mm-hmm. That's when it kind of comes in, like, oh, you know, he's a coppola. It's like, oh shit, okay.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. That 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 that's always like the amount of people who. Say to me like why or <laughs> like yeah why are you now looking at the Coppola family? I'm like, well, Nick Cage is a part of them. It's like I need mm-hmm. to under- I want to understand him a bit better by understanding his family. Like, well, how mm-hmm. did do- how did this kind of I don't know weird anomaly of nepotism and kind of like yeah. just so many talented people in this one family? um Yeah. So what? Yeah, is there any standout films from that kind of his early films that like once you started diving back in, you were like. Uh, like I can see the guy, do you know what I mean? I I, I can see the the seeds of the guy we eventually get, Nick Cage.
1: It would have been Wild at Heart, definitely, Mm -hmm. because that was kind of around, you know, kind of high school-ish. Yeah, yeah. Going down that whole, like, learning about David Lynch and stuff. So it was obviously through wanting to discover David Lynch. I'm like, oh, Nicolas Cage is in a David Lynch movie. But seeing that film, his performance, I was like, holy shit, it's so fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's- like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing <laughs> half the time, but it's brilliant and I love it. And there was there's pretty much no turning back. Like, Vampire's Kiss is insane. But something like um, is it Peggy Sue Got Married is, yeah. again, it's so fucking different, but he's great in it. <laughs> it- and even... um. Rumblefish, mm-hmm. as well, with like, um, oh, he's the star Matt, of that movie, Matt, Matt Dillon
0: and Mickey Rook.
1: Yeah, yes, my head's gone blank, no. but um, yeah, you know, things like that with the smaller roles. And then, you know, what was coming out then, like, it was just he was popping up everywhere. There suddenly yeah. oh, his snake eyes, and it's like, yeah, that wasn't too bad. Eight millimeter, well, that was fucked up, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. bringing out the dead. Well, holy shit, dude. <laughs> Like, I, wow.
0: I always, like, mention on this podcast that, like, I find it crazy of all of the, like, absolutely, like, uh, iconic directors that Nick mm. Cage has worked with. And it's it seems interesting because a lot of them, it's, like, they're quote-unquote, like, in-between films. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. bringing out the dead, that, like, it yeah. doesn't kind of get brought up in the Martin Scorsese conversation. Yeah, And even, like... Yeah. Uh, a Peggy Sue got married it's like Mm. when people think of Francis Ford Coppola yeah they'll they'll lean more towards that that like 70s run of the Mm. the two godfathers the conversation and Mm. apocalypse now whereas like Mm. by the time you get to Peggy Sue got married people are like oh yeah like we don't we don't we don't talk about that Mm. but what's really interesting about Cage specifically in that film and kind of there's a few films around the 80s where it's like he's making choices like mm. he, do you know what I mean? He's like he. You can tell even from that age. He's like, yeah. I've got, I've got a vision of who this character is, and Peggy Sue mm. got married is a prime example with that like voice yeah. he insisted on doing throughout the whole mm-hmm. film.
1: <laughs> and whatever voice he was doing in Vampire's Kiss, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. But I don't know. Um, it's
0: so amazing. i <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could talk about Vampire's Kiss absolute days i'm a i'm a massive oh, me um, too. yeah i'm a, I'm a massive <laughs> defender for that form even though i don't i don't personally feel like it needs defending because it is
1: yeah i i get what you <laughs> i get what you mean like i did have that whole discussion on a podcast did we do what do we do i think we talked about vampires kiss and willie's wonderland is like the double bill mm-hmm and i had all these interesting things to say and i'm like it makes such a good light double feature with american psycho yeah that that, that and I've i still been... stand by that and i think like that's the natural one to
0: yeah go with. there's like a kind of it's like that perfectly to like we're going to be talking about mm. the crudes, but like you look at that that like evolution of man it's like you've got peter Lowe mm. and then like the next evolutionary mm. step is um uh christian bale's character Patrick Bateman yeah. in yeah America. and then and then even like I think it was like last year there was that uh Joe keery film spree, and then that feels like a kind of another evolution of that for like the the next generation Do you know what i mean like mm. a kind of gen Z streaming generation of like mm. here's your new sociopath who's like yeah. obsessed with themselves and just wants fame and money mm. or whatever um so which yeah. is your favorite Nick Cage charm? I know it's it's going to be a hard one. It's going to be like picking your favorite child. But which which is your favorite yeah. Nick Cage Um
1: All of them. Jeez, um, <laughs> uh, I it's so hard. <laughs> like, do I say Con Air just out of being sentimental? Like I mm. don't know. What what would I really pick? It's so hard. I haven't seen Pig yet, and I could pick that.
0: Yeah, you know.
1: I mean, you know, more recently, like obviously, everybody does talk about Mandy and the color out of space, like mm-hmm. amazing shit. Um, but you know what? I said Wild at Heart, so let's just say Wild at Heart.
0: Yeah, amazing. I mean, what what? You, know what? Yeah. you, you touched on Wild at Heart um, slightly. Like, mm. what what is it about that film that kind of like stands out to be like your favorite? like yeah before is it, is it, per, it his performance or the, the film as I a whole it's the
1: Whole thing mm-hmm. I think it's the whole film like the chemistry yeah between him and Laura Dern is just so good mm-hmm. yeah the, the way it's like kind of fairy tale story is told through the weird lens of David Lynch and Cage just goes with it in that film and the whole thing with the snakeskin jacket I fucking love it so much yeah I um, I, I was gonna attempt to do like a, <laughs> the speech. a pressure, but I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. It's so bad. But yeah. no, I guess that would, yeah, I'd say that because it, I guess, like, I guess like, um, Conair or something. There's a lot of sentimental, yeah, 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 stuff with that film. But yeah, if if I had to choose, Wild at Heart, I'm
0: I, so, I, yeah. I'm always glad that I'm I'm asking these questions instead of answering them because like being entrenched in nick cage my answer will probably change like every half hour or like i'll just be expecting
1: i'll come back to this and go no i think i'm gonna pick something else (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah i like i i always like feel like sometimes i I just want to be a little bit of a smart ass as well i'm like oh let's say red rock west because it's like one that nobody's ever heard of like or something like that do you know i mean talk about like yeah talk about like the the, the undiscovered gems so <laughs> we've we've established you're a nick cage fan we've established which yes. is your favorite nick cage film let's talk about his new movie the croods 2
1: yes.
0: my name's eep
1: bigot stuff it's news. and
0: we're the world's first family the croods another glorious morning
1: dad always says the pack stays together
0: That's my girl. Boom! Seatbelt mode. Now we're searching for a perfect place to call home. What the heck is that?
1: It's the end of the world. Well, that's it for me. I'm glad it's you, Chunky.
0: Strange how this food grows in perfectly straight oh,
1: Genius. I thought cave people died off years ago. We happy meet you. Thanks. Oh, we are the, the bettermen.
0: Better, better man?
1: Emphasis on the better. Is that
0: kind of big, isn't it? Welcome to control
1: now Hey girl! Another teenage girl? Yeah? A girl? Friend! I've never had a girlfriend before! either, me either! What do we do? What do we say to each other? Without any to our voices? What's this gonna going on?
0: I don't know if cave people belong in a modern world.
1: What's your problem, big guy? This place is changing everyone.
0: And we really need to limit thunk's window time. Not now, Douglas, the birds are on. In my day, we didn't stare at birds. We fought them. Let me live my life.
1: Whoa, what's that? It's just a scar. Every mark is an adventure. And my dad doesn't even know about this one. Whoa, peanut toe. <laughs> You're not allowed outside the wall? Nope. This farm is like your cave. You're just like me. I feel like taking mm. a
0: So what was it that made you pick The Crude 2 to come talk about, apart from my um, uh, tweet just saying, like, can somebody come talk about this movie? Were you a fan of the original?
1: I really didn't mind it. I thought it was a pretty fun movie, and I was very excited that Mr. Cage was voicing, you know, the dad character in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did already uh, see it, but I, this the second one, um, but I've rewatched it in prep again. Um, uh, but I think it's actually a really fun follow up. Like a really good follow up, I think. It's very solid. And um I actually really like what like everyone brought to the table with mm-hmm. their their voice work and the animation work. But I, I particularly think I liked the uh the two dads interacting. I mm-hmm. think it was great.
0: So let's talk about some stats on this. You talked about like the voice cast, so this is, as I said, directed by Joel Crawford. It's written by Kevin Hagman, uh, Dan Hagman, and Paul Fisher. And stars, the, the cast list for this is absolutely stacked, right? So mm-hmm. the man himself, Nick Cage as Grug, Emma Stone as Eat, Brian Reynolds as Guy, Catherine Keener as Ugger. Uh Cloris Leachman as Grand, Clark Duke as Funk, Leslie Mann as Hope Betterman, Peter Dinklage as Phil Betterman, Kelly Marie Tran as Dawn Betterman. And it kind of like, yeah, kinda, that 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 is a pretty stacked cast, right? We got kind yeah. of like some amazing character actors. And I think that's what's mm. that's what's really exciting about this. The both of these films. I remember like The first one, I kind of slept on it for so long and the fact, like, I just didn't watch it and then, like, when it it got around to covering it on the podcast, I I was like, wow, that cast is pretty, like, pretty amazing. And I think it's even more amazing so now that, like, I don't know, that that not only did they, like, the original cast, like, oh, we're up for doing it. They managed to, like... Like get Peter Dinklage and like Leslie Mann and Kelly yeah. Marie Tran in as well. It it it, it does. Yeah. It could have so easily have been. I don't know. Like have like straight to straight to video mm. vibes, but it, it it doesn't mean it doesn't. Do it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't think it did at all. <laughs> so um,
0: I always like to ask people uh, to give a brief synopsis about the film. Uh, do you mind telling us what this film is about?
1: Uh, I'll do my best but (laughs) uh, our our family unit from the first film they I guess they stumble upon a new area which is kind of fenced off so they go through the fence but there's a new kind of family who know Guy they were like his previous family and then having two different families from two different worlds causes all sorts of mischief and mayhem until there's a monster (laughs) That's
0: and a, that's my really good synopsis so let, 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 let's talk about the opening because like the opening to this we start with a flashback of
1: mm. Goes Ga- back to the first one.
0: Well, Ga- well guys parents like dying in like a, a tar pit basically like yeah what are your thoughts on that opening and kind of like it's a pretty dark place to start for what is
1: yeah extensively
0: a kids movie right
1: for generally what is like a very light-hearted <laughs> film but it is very kind of sad and tragic and you can really feel sorry for guy even if he's a bit of a you know crazy boy
0: mm-hmm. what, <laughs> one of the things i got from like this in um, the intro in this film especially when we get them like the introduction to the crew and them riding around and their massive like Multicolored tiger (laughs)
1: yeah
0: is it felt like i don't know it has like a guardians of the galaxy vibe to me
1: Mm. and that might be
0: because it's got that like partridge family i think i love you like needle drop Mm. in that kind of like and like it it, it utilizes like kind of um slow motion and like freeze frame and stuff like that Mm. and it's kind of like it feels like a, a a great way to like reintroduce us to those characters yeah right and yeah as you mentioned we get that um like that overlapping of the first we almost get a recap of the first film mm-hmm.
1: right yeah so we cut. yeah it kind of cuts back to like what happens which kind of, it focuses on that relationship with mm-hmm. guy and eep I'm so bad with the character names because they, <laughs> they're like sounds and I keep forgetting who's who. Um, but it's very sweet and you know that they like kind of got together, he joined their pack, and now you're seeing the pack still kind of has a few problems because Dad doesn't quite accept Guy yet.
0: Well, yeah, obviously like his whole thing is, and I think the, the thing that the first film dealt with was Grug's unwillingness to accept Mm. the future and like Mm. whereas i don't know i think this one thematically i got like some it it felt like it was very lightly dealing with like the idea of like gentrification and kind of like um like yeah people like coming in and, like, not, not not ruining the old world, but, like, mm. I don't know, we get it with that kind of, like, B-plot with the punch monkeys, and, like, it turns out that, like, Phil Betterman has come in with his, like, mm. wants to make his thing better, so steal, essentially stealing their water, which has stopped mm. them from being able to have, like, bananas and stuff like that. Mm. And, and, and yeah, it deals with deals with this thing of class, which I think is, like... Mm interesting in a kids movie it kind of subtly does yeah. it where it's like obviously the bettermans like think they uh, like to them they mm. know they are better than than yeah. the croods and like kind of lord it about them flip-flopping yeah. about in their like yeah flip-flops mm. and they've got all their gizmos and gadgets of, of yeah. the new age um so what do you let, let's talk about the voice cast like individually like we'll we'll get to cage eventually but Let's talk mm. about the new additions. What What do you think of Peter Dinklage, Leslie Mann and Kelly Marie Tran in this film?
1: I thought they were all really good. I actually really enjoyed what they brought to, you know, these new characters and how they kind of portrayed them. And Peter Dinklage was so good. <laughs> Every time the character of Phil is on, it's just so funny. He has like the right kind of, it's the right interactions with everyone. And I feel like it's the same with Leslie Mann. Yeah. And because she has, like, such a distinct voice, you just know it's her. And it's so hard to, like, not picture it as being her, but you know it's her. (laughs) But she's so good. I think she's so great when she does, like, voice work. She's so good. And absolutely loved Kelly Marie Tran. I mean, I I haven't seen Raya, but I've heard very good things about her work in that as well. Um, but I thought she was wonderful as uh the daughter Dawn. Yeah. And I, I have to say the on the nose naming of Betterman, <laughs> like it's just it's not subtle at all. Oh, and no. it's amazing. I I that I loved with this too. Yeah. But yeah. uh the Bettermans were freaking awesome. I I really did enjoy what they brought with the characters and I enjoyed the characters. They were really freaking good and funny and they had their emotional moments. It was great
0: stuff. One of the things I've seen like leveled at this in regards to criticism is a lot of people. Mm. I say a lot is is people saying that like mm. this is one of those cases like that happens a lot in animation is mm. that there are clear jokes that are aimed specifically at an adult audience, and it feels mm. like the rest of it. Like, it, all the spectacle and the colour is there for the kids. Like, mm. what are your views on that kind of, like, are you, yeah, on, on films doing that? Is it, is it a cop-out in some way? Like, yeah, what, what do you think of that kind of?
1: I, I think it depends on the film and how they kind of portray kind of the adult jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all definitely there, but a joke of something like having the name Betterman. Mm-hmm. I think even a very young kid can kind of get what they're going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think something in that way, like at least, like kids are going to kind of get an inkling about it. Yeah, I, and I, the adults I, are going to be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> the clever one." But I, I don't necessarily think this one was too packed with, though, like more specific kind of grown-up humor. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I guess feel like this is kind of more level-headed, where the jokes could kind of translate easily enough for its audience. But I guess that's just maybe how I saw it. Mm-hmm. But other other animation, other animated films definitely have a lot of that, and it's very on the nose. Yeah, and maybe too grown up for kids to understand. But I think at least in this context, like I think you kind of get the point in a way.
0: I I think what this film does really well in in its kind of jokes and stuff like that is manages to eke out some more jokes in a kind of really well-trodden path Mm. of that like a a group coming into like a new situation and kind of Mm. being their eyes open to something or like very very it's very thinly veiled like gags that like talk about nowadays mm. as well. Like we've got Funk and his obsession with the window yeah. and stuff like that. And it's that yeah. stuff like it doesn't become like tiresome and stuff like that. And I think like no what not at all. What this yeah. film has going for it massively is the fact that you do have these really charismatic and like mm. seasoned character actors mm. doing doing the voices um uh what yeah one of the things i really wanted to talk about is your thoughts on the kind of this film to me like has very like again it's, it's i think it's done well because it's quite subtle but like and, and again mm. doesn't feel forced but like mm. the the feminist messaging in this because obviously we mm. get this whole like subplot where the, the mm. men are the ones who have been kidnapped and kind of yeah being taken to the punch monkeys and then it is it is put upon the the, the group of women and even then yeah. like the one man they have with them or the male character they have with them is funk mm. and he is for all intents and purposes useless. Useful? Yeah 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 <laughs> and we, we get we get introduced to um the the greatly named uh thunder sisters Mm -hmm. which is yeah again like like fantastic yeah what are your views on this kind of um this messaging we get in the crew
1: yeah no i definitely picked up on it and i actually found that to be kind of a lot of fun because it does mix up the usual tropes where it's the guys that have been kidnapped and the girls have got to like Sort out their kind of issues and come together, mm-hmm. and you know, and you know, to end up saving the day. And I like that it kind of changes that up, and it makes it a very natural thing, um, you know. And where if you've got the uh, the I always forget I've got the Leslie Mann character. Uh, um, I forget the freaking character's name. <laughs>
0: Leslie know. Mann is Hope Betterman.
1: So, you know, Hope kind of is very hesitant to, you know, because she finds the crudes as very crude, obviously. And this is kind of her lesson to be like, not everything you're doing is really even necessary. Mm -hmm. You can get along with people that are different than you. So that kind of general message whereas she's now the fish out of water where this is kind of their territory yeah and once she kind of then unleashes she sleeps in the pile her hair goes crazy she becomes so much more accepting and you know then the girls kind of band together and they have their little moments I thought it was so well done so cute as well like they had the little kind of like names and I just thought it was really well done it was well handled it's not like on the nose kind of Mm -hmm. in your face like feminism it's it's just there because and it does work for the story it allows you know the girl characters to grow Mm -hmm. but it also with what they're going through it allows like the the dads and guy to kind of grow and work out their problems as well so I thought it really you know, it worked in, in the story that it's telling. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm trying to think it, if like, I I definitely think it it passes the Bechdale test in that, like, there are, there are like many female characters. They all have names and I'm pretty sure they talk about something other than the men at some point. Do you know what I mean? Like, even though that is their key objective of, of, of the film. and. With the Thunder Sisters, we get that kind of like this great performance from Cloris Leachman where she kind of just gets to go like wild, whether it's like Yeah. like when like when you're not sure if she's asleep and she's got her eyes wide open just going <laughs> or like we get this like what 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 the characters assume is this babble of a senile old woman about this Yeah. Uh, almost like Amazonian warrior tribe. Um it all it all turns out to be true, and we get that reveal that not only has mm. she got like well, it it felt I thought this could be a throwaway joke when, um, I think she's mm. at a dinner table at one point, and we see that she's got some kind of like rat beast living on her head, mm. and then yeah, it turns out that it's wigasus like goes off and does yeah. her bidding for her, um, and yeah, we get this may like so what i love there's something about the soundtrack anyway because it's done by like mark Mothersbaugh from devo and like scored a load of wes anderson stuff but we mm. get we get haim doing the thunder uh feel the thunder like the the thunder sisters tune i'm just gonna play a little bit because mm. i think it's, it's a super fun little track
1: it's good <laughs>
0: So, what did you think about the music in this film? Like, do we, like, I know sometimes like in animation, like it can, it can really sell a film, and especially in comedy, like it can mm. float into the background. But what did you think of Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, soundtrack for the Crudes?
1: I actually really liked it. I thought, like, the music suited like every scene pretty well, and when yeah. we did have like the songs come in. It was the right kind of song in the right kind of moments, and it really just worked well together. Mm -hmm. But I definitely actually really liked and enjoyed the score, and specifically that for the Thunder Sisters. It's so epic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it kind of feels...
1: It was just sitting there, like, you know, bopping around, dancing. It's like, it's such a fun tune. But I think, like, yeah, I think they actually hit most of the notes pretty well because it really flowed.
0: yeah it's like
1: like in a really good way like that's probably the best way i can describe it but it just works
0: well i think it's that thing that like i watched it in the cinema last night and like Mm. i didn't notice it and i think like that is sometimes like a true test of a score is like it is obviously helping like the scene progress in like kind of Mm. like helping you emote or kind of like like giving you hints of what's going on but it's not like i'm like she's not overtly like here is the score like do you know what I mean mm. here it is here's the music yeah i I, I thought that was a an absolute like know, great, great little touch to the film um mm. so is there any specific scenes that you would like to like talk about with this is there like certain scenes that like stood out to you Marcy? i loved the scenes
1: with um grog and phil mm-hmm. their banter had like <laughs> i think it was so well done i don't know if they did their voices separately or if they were in the same room but whatever the case like it just worked so well it's just so it was so entertaining where i'm sitting here going i need my Nicolas cage and peter dinklage buddy cop movie now
0: yes please yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: That- um I think kind of their heart to heart where they kind of have that realization of like, did we just become best friends? Yup. <laughs> that whole scene. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, as well as I guess the Thunder sisters uh, sequence, which is awesome as well.
0: Yeah. They become the banana bros, right? They're like, this yes. kind of, they're, they're both obsessed I with bananas. Loved
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's
0: adorable. this film, like, i guess we should kind of talk about the fact that like when this came out in america like during november i think last year (laughs) it was like reported at the time that like obviously there was all this talk throughout throughout the pandemic of like what's going to be the movie to like save cinema essentially Mm. and when this opened it had like a staggeringly good opening weekend like uh and I think, yeah, from like I a think six
1: people just wanted something to see <laughs> exactly.
0: Move. So, yeah, it was and a why
1: not see a fun family film?
0: It was a $65 million budget with a mm. $191.2 million return, That's which not is, too is not too bad. It's not, yeah, it's not too bad at all, especially for like a film that very much like a lot of the reviews I've read for this are like did we need this like what like was yeah, anyone was anyone calling out for the Crudes too especially after like a belated a sequel but then i guess that's discounted the fact that like the Crudes has like lived on tv i mm. think like ever since or like at least for mm. like a few seasons so it's like a kind of like Crude animated tv show so, yeah yeah like
1: but i think i feel like the first film was pretty popular hmm yeah uh definitely for at least, you know, a few years afterwards. And it's still, you know, on rotation and you still hear about it. And it's like I, I you know, when I saw it, I thought, oh, they surely gotta do a sequel. It's pretty, you know, fun and enjoyable. <laughs> and then, you know, eventually we did. I was like, is it too late? No, I still enjoyed the shit out of this movie. I didn't really care what anyone says.
0: <laughs> so what well, yeah, what like um oh sorry I'm so hot my mind just went blank uh so obviously this film like I think it had a lot of like production issues like with kind of like they were planning a sequel I think the original Mm. director Kirk D'Amico was set to come back didn't come back like and I think it's kind of been kicking about and like Mm. it was like initially slate it's like one of those ones that like like i think even when i found out it was coming out like it's like it's coming out in 2020 i was like until i see this, till i see a trailer like i'm not i'm not mm. quite convinced that this is this mm. is actually happening and i know that um cat dennings was originally supposed to voice the character of dawn as opposed to mm. kelly marie Tran, um which, I, don't know, I guess would have been Different, like uh, very different. I, I, I think, yeah. I, 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 I like I like what uh, Kelly Marie Tran did. Um. So let's talk about the animation and specifically the character design on these weird and wonderful animals that mm. we're getting this film. What What do you, yeah, what do you think about the, the, the animation in this film?
1: I think much like the first one, like at least the human design. The Croods—it's—it's it's so wacky. Mm-hmm. It's like this very weird kind of vision of like the top heavy, yeah. and at least when I first saw it, it took me a bit to get used to it. But by now, <laughs> it's like that's how they look. It's all good. But the the creature designs are so insanely unique. Yeah, those wolf spiders—it made me like spiders. If they were <laughs> I like kind of the weird inventive things of, um, you know, kind of putting hybrid animals together, like there was a hippopotamus crocodile or something in there. Yeah. And the big cat they have, I can't remember its name. But I thought they were really, really interesting and intriguing. Like there's something interesting to look at. It's like, what is this? I don't know.
0: well, (laughs) Well, I think like the first film, this is like, you cannot deny how like, Visually exciting this is, and like mm. they kind of like just get the paint pots out and really throw them mm. on the screen, and it's it's just got this like I don't know beautiful technicolor mm. to it. That
1: it's very very colourful. It kind of has that transition of kind of the Wizard of Oz type approach mm-hmm. with the yeah. dark and dreary. Then they find this new place. Oh, it's all vibrant and colourful. I thought that worked really well because when you see this new place with all – it's so colourful and so intriguing. You're like, what are all these foods? Why are they so big? What are these animals? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think an animal that really stood up for me is uh... – it's kind of like woolly mammoth cows i think they called yeah like... i
1: was thinking that it was uh, i don't know what they called them mammoth uh, cows or something no they called
0: them like uh woolly moomoths or something like that it was, something, it was so... something funny <laughs> but they
1: were so cute
0: yeah it's like i don't know I, and it really adds to this i don't it kind of makes you fit like uh, I, I guess nobody's probably calling for this to be a trilogy but like there is something <laughs> exciting about like the this weird and wonderful world they've created, and you can tell yeah. like from the animate standpoint, they probably had like mm. a lot of fun, like they're kind of like mm. we'll get this story go, we'll get the story like done, and then like have have fun and there are animated sequences in this, like I think like that one where they are going through eating stuff, like yeah it's just so fun like just kind of it's
1: so like crazy Mm -hmm. but it works that it's i love how over the top like the characters mannerisms are and then they're like oh what's this feeling you're full of food (laughs) that kind of like uh slump ending is great
0: well we get that moment we get like the moment it's like the camera like obviously it's animated there's no cap- but yeah. like, it, it's, you still get the effect of a camera and it's like the camera's spinning round, and it keeps changing like who yeah. who's doing it or like people like biting in stuff and it's got this like yeah it almost like harkens back to like psychedelic animation throughout this There's this kind of like very psychedelic feel to it especially like this kind of mm. breaking through from the from yeah. the gray world into this bright mm. and vibrant world and yeah, it's yeah. like I, I I I love that. It kind of um, I don't. And as I said, like that 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 the way the title sequence is done, where like the mm. crudes and new ages, actually within the environment that they are in, mm. I thought was like a really effective way. And it it, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a minute of this film is kind of wasted. I never found oh, myself really? looking at my watch, going like, "This is overly yeah. long." Like I know. I know we're living in a time when like what is it, space like another belated sequel, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy pushes mm. two hours running time, whereas this is kind mm. of an hour and thirty five minutes, we're out. Do you know what I mean? It's kinda of like Yeah,
1: it, it goes through really quickly, which I think I think that's a sign that there's it's at least an entertaining movie, if anything yeah. else.
0: <laughs> um is there any like issues you have? like with this film is there any kind of like bug you have it's
1: hard to say because I actually just really enjoyed it like I, <laughs> you know it's hard to say like you know it's not a perfect film by any means but for me I don't think a film really needs to be perfect for you to enjoy it mm-hmm. um I just I had fun with everything like maybe there could have been extra development bits here and there it sort of feels a little bit rushed at parts but it's hard to really fault something when you just actually just have fun and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. You know, it
1: feels like it it doesn't really affect how my enjoyment of the film was, I guess.
0: So I've really like had like a new appreciation for like animated films, especially like kids films, Mm. like since becoming a parent, I'm like, like, especially something like this. I'm like I can't wait to watch it, like with my son, like when he's like mm. kind of old enough and excited about it and stuff like that. Mm. And I guess one of the themes throughout this and the first one, maybe not so much. Um, I don't know. The, yeah, I, I I guess this one deals with it, but like the kind of like father daughter relationship in the first one mm. is like that is kind of like the linchpin of the story and him accepting Mm. and i guess it's kind of carried on over to this one but it's more about yeah because
1: it's sort of like um they're ready to kind of live by themselves now and he feels like he's gonna lose his daughter and how dare he take her away (laughs) meanwhile he forgets he's got another daughter yeah that is kind of (laughs) yeah
0: that that very much felt a bit sequel baity to me being like yeah it's gonna be the I don't know, the 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 dawn of um oh god what is her name? I
1: can't remember the little girl's name. But I kind of love Sandy, that's it.
0: Sandy who is who is voiced by um (laughs) Kaylee Crawford, who I'm assuming is the director's daughter. I imagine that's probably how that works.
1: (laughs) But I like how kind of at, at the end where it's like They're moving out, but they're literally just across the little bridge and he's sobbing and crying. It's so (laughs) funny. I love it. (laughs) Just the way he portrays that, it's just so perfect.
0: So, I guess the person (laughs) we (laughs) we haven't spoken about throughout (laughs) Mm. this is Nicolas Cage. What did did you make? What do you make of Nicolas Cage's voice performance in this?
1: I thought he was awesome. I loved it. He. I don't feel like he phoned this in at all. And I don't think he did with the first film either. I think there's kind of a fondness for the character, but I feel like he had fun doing it because it's just so enjoyable. There's so much inflection in his voice that to me, it's, he's not just saying lines. He's actually putting a lot into it. And as I said, like the, the banter between the fathers works so well. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think he's a fairly strong presence in the film. Yeah. Like I think Krog is a very kind of funny character, but I really like um, how he sort of takes that approach as a voice actor. And I'd love to see him do more uh, voice work because I think he just nails his character perfectly. It's just so good. Well, yeah, He's believable as... A big oaf kind of caveman dad <laughs> well if
0: you look at the kind of voice acting he's done so it's, it's well more so in it seems to be like the last four or five years mm. with teen titans go to the movie he obviously finally got to mm. voice um superman yeah spider-man into spider-verse again like fantastic casting and, like the original one of these and, like, like you said i think Cage's like performance in this he captures this great sweetness to the character Mm. and like this innocence but like yeah he doesn't he doesn't for one minute sound like he's phoning it in he sounds like he's having fun he sounds like Mm. he sells the character really well and he kind of it's got the perfect amount of like kind of like bombastic like cageisms of him like going like it gives him yeah license to to shout, but yeah. it's, it's never too much. It's never, yeah. It, it doesn't feel like, get like, I don't know, that they're, they're letting him off the leash. They're very much mm. like, no, we've got a tight grip on this. Like, we've hired you for a reason. Mm. And like, we're going to, we, we're going to dial back like the, the, mm. the, the crazy like volcano eruption that Cage yeah. can give. When,
1: mm. when he needed to kind of turn it up, he does, mm-hmm. and it works. But I just, I really think, like, he brings a lot to this character and it feels like, you know, there is a, like I said, there is a fondness there. Mm-hmm. But I, overall I just found it really enjoyable and I think he really helps make that character enjoyable. And his arc in this I think is a good one, especially, like, he, again, his interactions with the um, the Betterman family. Yeah. But, again, Give me my Nick Cage and Peter Dinklage movie already. <laughs> hey, before
0: before we start to wrap this up as well, I guess, yeah, like the other the other members of the cast we kind of didn't really speak about. I don't know. Mm. I think I think what this film does really well is it gives everyone their chance to shine. Like it, exactly. it very much feels like an ensemble piece. Like mm. the first one, like very much felt like it was Emma Stone and Nick yeah. Cage's film, like, because it was kind of mm. those two butting heads. Whereas this, mm-hmm. like, the 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 one who probably gets the shortest shrift is Clark Duke because his character is very much just there for the occasional like joke and stuff like that. Whereas everyone else, mm. like, has this arc, like, do you know what I mean, mm. and there's kind of there's conflict coming from all different angles, uh, or, yeah, and, and with different characters, and it's like the the interplay between them. And we get that great scene where it all comes to a four Mm. at at the dinner table where we get, Mm. yeah. So and I guess that scene's a great one to talk about, um, Emma Stone and Ryan Reynolds. Like, um, how do you think they do in this?
1: I think they're fine. Like, it pretty much just carries over from the first one as well. And it feels like, again, they kind of really know these characters and, they just kind of slide into those roles but I think they definitely bring a lot of like charisma to it um and it's hard to picture like any other voices like I think they're those characters and uh, for me it works really well and I, I think actually everyone was pretty damn solid in the film and like you said it's more ensemble this time so everyone kind of does something and they interact with each other and um, I don't think we really touched on it, but having kind of the two sort of teenage female characters where you kind of at first expect they're going to kind of be rivals guy, yeah. but instead they become like BFF straight away. And it's such a refreshing change that these two are like, you know, they have like sisters now. It's, it's something that was really, really different and good and, you know, again, those two bounce off each other really well. Like there's the escape scene from mm-hmm. you know, going out beyond the wall was really good. It was really funny.
0: Yeah, I I I think I think that's a really good <clears throat> point. That the fact that like and and the film knowingly does it right in the fact that mm. you get you get eat kind of like looking like annoyed and he's like, You're a she's like saying to her, he's like, You're a girl. Mm. Like I never knew you're a a and he, he, it sets you up to me. Oh, it's going to be this mm. rivalry, and I'm so glad that it subverts that. And yeah. they instantly like fall in love as friends and have this yeah like, amazing day out and kind of like get get drunk on honey essentially. And yeah, <laughs> she gets like the the bee sting and stuff like that. And it's like it would I don't know it would be so lazy and easy to do like and those two rivaling typical at, yeah. And I, it, it is that thing, and I think it, it it probably rings a bit more true as well, especially like mm. in this thing of like, the, like class divisions and stuff like that. That it mm. will be like the parents like butting heads, and it's 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 the bettermans that. That want mm. Guy for their daughter and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? it kind of feels yeah. like something that's like lifted from like an eighties movie or something like that? Yeah.
1: Like, and, and you kind of get the the <clears throat> um the hint that kind of Dawn and Guy do see each other as kinda of like siblings. Yeah. So and then, you know, with Dawn and eep becoming like best friends, it's like this big happy family is very cute. I liked it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um so let's talk about, and it's probably a hard one to do for this film because he is animated. But one of the questions mm. I always ask is Does Nick Cage have bad hair in this film? Oh,
1: he does. He's animated <laughs> to have bad hair. It's not great hair. He's even got the hair all over his chest.
0: Yeah, there is a so joke in this. Weird. There is a joke in this film that, like, that you know, made me very triggered. Um, when <laughs> oh. Phil Betterman says to him, like, ah, oh, Grug, you can, you can take off your, your, your fur pelt. And he's like, already mm-hmm. have, just because he's got a hairy chest. And
1: he's just got a hairy chest.
0: No word of a <laughs> lie. Um, this Saturday, you're like triggered. Yeah. This Saturday just passed. Um, I had a barbecue at my house and some people around, and somebody said to me, oh you you can take your jumper off if you want and i was like it's when i saw that 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 line delivered in the cinema i was like why like how why do i relate to grug why do i like to relate to a caveman you're a caveman i'm sorry (laughs) that's it it, i guess a big old hairy caveman um so does (laughs) nick cage have a crazy voice in this film does he get to go wild with it, or does he is he I think a
1: little bit, but not like crazy crazy, yeah, I think as as we said, I think he kind of has the right amount for the character
0: exactly, yeah, as as we mentioned, this doesn't get to uh, vampire's kiss like kind of mm. make you questioning like where why is he in that voice, or mm. <laughs> or yeah the, i I haven't yeah, it's not like Peggy Sue got married where actors are like, I'm not doing this film with him if he is doing that voice. um. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's, uh, it's a kind of restrained Cage performance. Mm. And I guess one of the things that many people go to a Nick Cage film for uh, the the that the reels them in is, does Nick Cage freak out in this movie?
1: Yes. I think <laughs> he does several times, actually. Yeah. He's very distressed over being the fish out of water with these new people mm-hmm. he might lose his daughter you know he's very he's kind of being manipulated so he just loses it a little bit a few times
0: do, do, is, is there like yeah like
1: do, i think his big freak out is when he turns full like caveman and yes
0: yeah, yeah 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 yeah
1: forehead comes out and he's <laughs> so angry
0: <laughs> yeah I, I i love that kind of especially like because you get that thing of him like he's been schmoozed and like in the sauna all yeah. day and like he's got he's got a back like essentially a back brace to make him stand up straight mm-hmm. and he's now got a, a man <laughs> bun and stuff like that and yeah and I thought that yeah that that's like a, gr- a great bit of like surreal like animation as well like yeah. he's like oh I'm going to I'm gonna de-evolve into like an yeah. even like more <laughs> primitive version of the 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 human I am um that's so funny <laughs> So, is Nick Cage the greatest actor of all time? Yes. Perfect. Let's 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 leave that there. Um, <laughs>
1: I think I summed up pretty much all of that. So, yeah.
0: Perfect. Well, um, yeah. Would you recommend <laughs> if people have have not have not thought to check out Crude's A New Age that they that they go either? I don't know. Depending on where they are in the world, do they rent? Mm. Uh, do they go to the cinema? What What, what are your thoughts?
1: think it's a pretty fun film to check out especially you know if people really enjoyed the original like this is a pretty good follow-up mm-hmm. i'd say like between this and the first one i'd say they're on par like i think they're both really good films really enjoyable and fun yeah. like 100 percent. check out you know nick cage's voice acting check out <laughs> everybody else the animation it's just a fun film i really enjoyed it
0: yeah i guess one of the things is a lot of people like it, like they're pitting this up against like luca and the mitchells versus mm. the machines which is like they're but like i haven't seen luca but the mitchell's machines is fantastic but like don't feel like they're different beasts do you mm. know what i mean and I, I feel like the the crude's new age is it sets out what it wants to do and it does it really yeah. fun and it's it, it, exactly it perfectly manages that balance of giving everyone mm. something like that is exciting and i think there are there are jokes for everyone we're, we're mm. not not just in the fact that there are like kind of pointed jokes adults but like mm. there's <laughs> there's weird things like the stuff i found myself laughing at was like stuff to do with like the grandma's hair and stuff like that yeah i could definitely (laughs) see is the more like probably juvenile stuff that i found funny than like Mm. the jokes where they're going like here's one for the dad so if anything like that stuff's a bit more like all right i see what you're doing like a bit of an eye roll Mm. here um well marcy thank you so much for coming to join me um please tell Tell me, the listeners, all about all the stuff you do and where people can find you and keep up to date with everything you're doing.
1: Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. It was a pleasure to talk about the God Nick Cage.
0: <laughs> the one true God.
1: Uh, <laughs> my one true. I, th- I think I'd say he's like God-tier mm-hmm. man. I, <laughs> I put Kurt Russell up in that God-tier as well. Oh, yes, please. They're my, they're my men's. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I can be found at supermarcy.com, which is S-U-P-E-R-M-A-R-C-E-Y. That is my website, which is called The Super Network. It has all my film reviews and other people's film reviews and about a billion zillion podcasts that I do. Yeah. so um yeah there's,
0: I, I, there's I, would, many. <laughs> I always find it quite hard to keep 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 a track of like you, you've kind of just got this like it feels like every day of the week you've got like a new like podcast thing wow. or like or yeah or like some kind of um commentaries going on and stuff like that it's
1: like mm. it's, it's
0: it's amazing to see uh yeah it's almost non-stop
1: but not stop. <laughs> um we We have one weekly podcast, which is the Tubi Tuesdays podcast, Mm -hmm. where we find something random on the very free streaming service Tubi. And we do like the audio commentary, or if you're a Patreon, we do the video version. So we Mm -hmm. pretty much sit, watch a film. Usually we haven't seen it before. um, And that's a lot of fun. We definitely enjoy that. And all our other shows release... Uh, once a month so Mm -hmm. every week in the month we have a different show for that for that week so I've got uh, the super podcast which has been running for 12 years which is really weird to think about (laughs) Um, but we sort of do like our bonus episodes but every month we do a our fan voted commentary we have a Facebook fan fan group a Facebook group where everyone kind of votes on the we have a theme every month so whatever right. wins the poll we do the commentary on um we have the king's Own podcast which is all about the Stephen King adaptations perfect uh so we're kind of in the middle of that and we have Podcasters of horror which is all about <laughs> horror anthologies so <laughs> we've just finished covering um masters of horror and mm-hmm. we're moving on to fear itself so that's another one and then finally our latest podcast which <laughs> is called the Uh, we've decided to go from the very beginning in 1970 and watch all of the OzSploitation films uh, from like the very beginning so we've only dropped three episodes so far Amazing. we've been covering about Five films per episode because there's so many mm-hmm. and it's pretty much me watching a lot of Australian movies I've never even heard of or seen and it's insane
0: oh I'm gonna have to hit and- you up afterwards for like kind of like uh if you have like a little recommend list or something like that because this is definitely uh Australian cinema like besides the kind of obvious is Obvious ones I like, um, it's kind of a bit of a blind spot for me. So I'll be tapping you out for some osploitation. Yeah,
1: I, I've noticed it probably is with a lot of people, especially osploitation <laughs> being very sort of specific, but also not. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, these movies are very interesting. Uh, <laughs> of course, there's, you know, you go back 50 years, there's, they're going to be problematic. Yeah, yeah. You kind of just have to look at it in the right way and understand what the context was then. Of course. And I don't think you need to kind of condone it, but I think the understanding kind of helps. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I have, uh, I'm have i on Letterboxd, I think, it's super underscore Marcy, and I'm keeping tabs of To Be Tuesdays and all the other pod, some of the other podcasts we do but I do my Patreon exclusive podcast once a week I'm trying to and that is the more unfiltered adulty stuff that you know (laughs) like to offer bonus stuff to our Patreons so yeah um I do a bit of everything but pretty much if you look up supermarcy or supermarcy.com you'll find everything or the super network And that's it. I I get really awkward talking about all the things I do because I feel like there's way too many. (laughs) You know, I've also branched out on YouTube and do like our podcast previews there, but also other stuff and I'm just doing way too much and I don't know how I have the time.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming and getting (laughs) caged in with me.
1: Uh, Anytime. I enjoy talking about movies. I enjoy talking about Nicolas Cage. All of it. (laughs)
0: and there we go that was my chat with super marcy all about crude a new age if you've seen this film and would like to have your say on it please don't hesitate to get in touch on all the socials so that is twitter instagram facebook and letterbox all at caged in pod or you can always drop me an email, which is pod at gmail.com. As for next week on the podcast, I'll be joined by Ella Kemp to talk about Judd Apatow's 2009 comedy-drama, Funny People. Which has a fantastic turn from our Coppola connection that week, which is Jason Schwartzman. It's a great chat and uh, Ella comes up with a, a theory that I guess is out there, but I'd never heard it of kind of the film being a modern day, great Gatsby. So yeah, that that's the kind of uh, areas we go to in that conversation. So very much hope to see you next week for that one. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. As always, I've been Petrus Pat Silvers, your guide through the crazy world of Nicolas Cage. Remember to keep it caged in, and I'll catch you next time.
1: It's family.